Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your hosts, Jamal Tanner and Nick Holman. Welcome to the MTO Podcast. This is episode 84, Randy Moss edition. Um, we're going to talk a lot of football, both college and NFL, but we're going to start with what's going on in the NBA. There was a really big trade that happened. Donovan Mitchell finally got traded. He got traded to the Cavs, which had to have been a dark horse. I hadn't heard any rumors about that, but here it is now. So he got traded for Colin Sexton, Laurie Mac- Markinen. Um, I think it was o- Oche Abaji. Three picks and two pick swaps, I believe, is what it was. Something of that ilk. What's your thoughts of the trade? Let's start with from the Jazz perspective. Um, do you think they got enough for Donovan Mitchell? I like it. I like it. They got a lot of players. They got picks, but they wanted. They accumulated, you know, a trillion picks uh, for the upcoming drafts. And this is the direction that Utah wanted to go. They wanted to basically bottom out and get as many draft picks as they could. They you know, the first trade they made in offseason, they found a sucker in Minnesota and got a, you know, an unheard of amount of first round picks. And then, you know, we all thought, well, what can they get for Donovan Mitchell? Well, you could never get that package. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just a once in a lifetime type of deal. That's just what Danny Ainge does. He finds a sucker and then he <laughs> exposes them and gets what he wants. So, you know, they got what they could get out of. Cleveland, which is some pretty decent players, some players that I think, you know, needed a change of scenery, uh, mainly uh, Lori Markkinen, uh, and along with the pick. So I like it for Utah. I like it for Cleveland also. They get another person to go besides Garland, um, who's great in the backcourt. Mobley's coming along nicely. Now you add Donovan Mitchell to the mix. They're, you know what I mean? The East is loaded. The East is getting a lot better. I think this is a team that can grow together now. We'll see how long that, you know, Cleveland, you know, pulls together, see if they start adding more pieces to it. But I think it's a a trade that works for both teams, and you rarely, you know, you get that in any trade, in any league. It always seems to be one-sided one way or another. So this works. I like it. And I think that Cleveland, I'm trying to think what's – because it's a little early. I'm trying to think what seed do I think they can maybe make in the playoffs. I can see them probably, you know, being a fifth seed, maybe fourth seed, depending on how the year goes. But I think they're still going to be a little sus on defense. Uh, that's not really Donovan Mitchell's strong suit, more of an offensive player. But if he could tap uh, back into the player he used to kind of be in college when he was more, I feel like, you know, hounding people and whatnot, I think they could be really good. So if they can be better on defense, they could probably sneak into that fourth seed in the East. I don't think I have them as a four seed. I think I have them closer to like a six seed. I think there's a lot of teams in the East that I would say are still better. I think it's kind of what I was talking about with the East kind of being the best conference and then the West started coming back and now the East is starting to come back again. It's kind of interesting to see kind of that swing of power because we haven't had it for a while, right? It was always the West. But from the Jazz perspective, I think they got enough. I think the only reason why you would have some sort of, 
idea that they didn't get enough is because of how much they got for Rudy Gobert, which you already alluded to. But, I mean, you got two good players, right? Laurie Mackinen, Markinen. I don't know why I keep calling him Mackinen, but Markinen is his name. Um, you got Laurie Markinen and Colin Sexton. I think those are good players. Ochai Abaji is a really good piece that you can kind of fit in. He's a rookie coming in. So you got really three solid pros in my mind, even though one's unproven. And then you got some draft picks to go along with what you already got for Rudy Gobert. You also have a couple more pieces that you can move in a Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich. So they have some flexibility to really kind of pull a OKC really and just go really bottom out, enter the Wimbayana sweepstakes. So I like what they're doing. Before I get to Cleveland, there is a rumor that I want to talk to you about. There's a there's a rumor that the Jazz made this trade to Cleveland as some sort of kind of payback or vengeance on Donovan Mitchell because his preferred destination was New York, but they didn't like the fact that he asked for a trade. So they moved him to Cleveland as a way to get back at him. Do you believe that rumor? And then if we were to assume that that rumor is true, how do you feel about them using his him being disgruntled as a reason to kind of quote unquote get back at him? I don't know, man. I think that it's silly if that's what they did because I don't know. That's they got a good deal. I think you know that's probably as good as the deal they were going to get from the Knicks. You know, maybe a better top end player, but you weren't going to get those picks. So and. Cleveland's not even, I mean, I it, jokingly, it's, yeah, Joakim Noah basically said, you know, who wants to vacation to Cleveland? But in all honesty, I'd probably rather live in Cleveland than Utah. So, yeah, he doesn't get to move to New York, but he's also probably in a better situation basketball-wise, you know? If he goes to the Knicks and they're giving away some of the pieces that would have made him a good team if, you know, he was traded to that team and they got to keep those pieces, like a R.J. Barrett or, you know what I mean, basically the core, then, yeah, maybe they're as good or better than the Cavs, but I, I don't know. I think he's in a better situation. So if they did a payback trade, it didn't really do anything. It didn't backfire or hurt his you know playing situation or really living situation. I think he'd probably rather be in Cleveland than Salt Lake. I, I just had to guess myself. Yeah, if this was some vengeance trade, they're really bad at vengeance because they put him in a better situation. Um, even if he'd rather live in New York, like you said, from a basketball standpoint, this is definitely the better situation. I'm not sure how to feel about Cleveland, really, because I think that they're solidly a playoff team. When I look at, you know, Garland, Mitchell, they probably start Okoro. And then you got the Twin Towers and Mobley and, and Allen. Then you have Karis LeVert coming off the bench. You still have Kevin Love coming off the bench. So I heard a lot of people say they traded away their depth. I still think that's a solid seven. Seti Osman can help them. I think they could probably get to an eight-man rotation, and that's all you really need. So I don't think they're hurting from a depth standpoint. To your point, I think they're hurting from a defense standpoint. Mobley and Allen are going to have to do a lot of rim protecting because I don't think there's really that many people to stop people from getting to the rim. Not that they really had a bunch of stoppers before, but we'll see how that works out. I just don't think that they're better than the Bucks, the Sixers, the Heat, the Celtics. They're probably right there with the Nets, and that's only because of all the turmoil that's going on. Because from a roster standpoint, I probably still like the Nets roster better. But 
when it's Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, I don't know how reliable that is. So that would that's kind of where I'd say they're probably equal there. They're better than the Bulls, so I think they leapfrog the Bulls there. Uh, the Hawks is an interesting one because we don't know how the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young tandem is going to work out. So I would say they're probably somewhere in that Nets, Bulls, Hawks range. Which to and I didn't even mention Toronto, and I think Toronto has a chance to be pretty solid as well. So I don't mind them shooting their shots, specifically because all their players are relatively young. I mean, Mitchell's probably the oldest of their core now, and I don't know how old he is, but he ain't that damn old. So getting this young nucleus together, theoretically, teams like Philly and the Nets, and possibly. Even uh, the Bucks at some point, if Middleton starts aging and you start seeing that, and Drew Holiday, you start seeing that with Brooke Lopez. Giannis is going to be here for another decade at least, but you know some of those core pieces, maybe they start aging or want more money or whatever. You have a young nucleus to maybe outlast your windows longer. But as of right now, I don't really buy this top four seed stuff. I think that's just some recency bias. Um, but I do think this puts them solidly in the playoffs, and I don't blame them for shooting their shot because, you know, I mean, people get hurt. It's a real thing. So if you're going to be in position to where maybe you're the one that has a durable season and you're able to kind of win the battle of attrition, then you got to be able to kind of capitalize on that. So I don't blame them one bit. I think it was honestly a good trade for both teams. But if they were trying to have some sort of vendetta, then I don't think the Jazz are very good at that at all because this is probably the best-case scenario other than maybe, like, the Heat because I think the Heat would have been a good fit for Donovan Mitchell. But I don't know. I think it's an interesting trade. It was one that I was definitely not expecting. So uh, makes it it's going to make for a really entertaining season. I can't wait for a basketball season to start for sure. Um, what has started already is college football. We just had week one. Confirmed that Virginia Tech is who I thought they were. They're not going to be very good this year. So that means I can just watch college football as a fan. I don't have to worry about my team and, and the playoffs or anything like that. So um, we had a lot of interesting games, I would say. Some developments, some bad kickers, and a lot of high-scoring games. What were your overall thoughts from week one? My overall thoughts first, Alabama-Georgia still good. Uh that was evident watching Georgia play Oregon and Alabama just being Alabama, doing what they do. I think we can go on and lock them into the playoffs, one and two spots, which means there's only two spots left. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I feel like I could safely say that. Um, you know, watching this week, well, I was one, I was really excited to have college football back. I didn't think I – it's one of those things you never feel like you miss it as much, and then it comes back and you're like, dang, I really miss sitting around being a lazy ass and watching football all day. And that was one of the things that uh, definitely hit me when it I was watching it this weekend. But um, I kind of want to ask you a question watch it, uh, that I thought about when I was watching. Are teams in college football separated basically by, like, QB play and bad coaching? Because what I felt like I watched over the weekend was if you had bad QB play and or bad coaching combined or even just bad QB play, then you pretty much weren't going to win. Like, I watched a lot of guys that just bad reads, bad throws, just just bad QB play. And it's just you would think that with all the options out there, you – 
you know, maybe you would move on quicker or be able to find better QB play, but I was just surprised by just how bad some of these QBs are in college football. So is that something you notice too, or is that just me? Or what do you think about that? You know, I think there's some truth to that, but, you know, QBs kind of come from all over when you really think about traditionally in the NFL. That's not always from the powerhouse schools, right? There's QBs from even small schools that aren't as good. So for me, the differentiator is the line play on both sides. When I look at Alabama and I look at Georgia, both sides of the ball, they just blow people off the line. Like it's kind of right off the snap, the play's already over. So to me, that's the thing that I've noticed is that the great teams can just kind of bully people at this level. And it's in waves. So, you know, there's a lot of substitution that happens on the defensive line. It doesn't seem to matter. It's just the second unit goes and blows you up the same way the first unit does, and then you just back to the first unit. So for me, I think it's more line play because I watch part of that Bama game and part of that Georgia game, and for the most part, the holes were wide open. You know, Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young had time and protection. You know, it just it makes the game much easier when you can kind of be comfortable. Um, I don't know if you saw Shadur Sanders because he just went off in his first game and he was talking like his daddy prime. And he was just like, they were talking about his offensive line and he was just like, you know, two felt real comfortable. And I mean, like that's exactly what I felt like with Bryce and Stetson for the most part is they were able to be comfortable and it's easy to be accurate when you're not seeing ghosts as Sam Darnold would say, because you know that your offensive line got you. And then it's a lot harder to hit make throws when you worried about getting hit, you know? So for me, it's the line play. I think the quarterback play matters, but I mean, when you watch Syracuse blow out um, Louisville, they don't have the better quarterback. You know, they just have the better line. Like, they were controlling the line. Tucker was running all over the place. And Syracuse's defensive line was getting after it. So I know that's a, kind of an obscure reference because who the hell was watching Syracuse uh, Louisville? The answer is I was because I'm a college football junkie. But there were plenty of games that it wasn't the better the team with the better quarterback that won. It was a team that controlled the line and made the fewest mistakes. So I think quarterback play obviously matters, but I think the real differentiator is, is the line play. Because, I mean, even Georgia, when you think about it, they don't have an NFL quarterback. I mean, I think he's a good college quarterback, but I don't think teams are clamoring to get Stetson Bennett in their program. So it's just, I mean, everything around him is phenomenal. And he's solid, right? He's a good quarterback. So I don't think it requires the greatest quarterback ever. I think the coaching thing probably matters more to me because even some teams I've seen play their worst quarterback, like Colorado TCU, there's no way Brendan Lewis is better than JT Shroud. And that's not even because JT Shroud is amazing. It's just because Brendan Lewis just isn't. So we saw that last year with Texas. They were playing Hudson Card over – um, Casey Thompson. So I think some of the coaching and picking the right players, I don't know what goes into that, but I feel like there's some backups that are better than some starters at quarterback and other positions. So I will agree with you on the coaching part, but I think usually the teams that are dominant just have the, the better offensive and defensive lines. And it's usually not close. And that's why you have a 49 to three route in a Georgia versus Oregon game. Sorry. Go I was agreeing with you with the Colorado thing, because I watched that game and, I just, I saw once they switched QBs, and I was like, why Why was the other guy ever playing? Like, and it was funny because 
I think that might have been the only game on TV or there was few, but the Colorado coach was trending on Twitter. And to me, unless you're winning by a blowout, you never want to be the Colorado coach trending on Twitter. Like, that's not good. Like, I started to think about, I was like, has there ever been a Colorado coach to trend on Twitter? Like, because they've never been that good. So that's not, I was like, man, you're the first one to trend on Twitter, man. Like, that's not good at all. He was definitely not trending for good reasons. I can say that much for sure. Um, were there any big surprises for you from the weekend, or was it pretty much go the way you expected? I think it was pretty much go as expected. Um, I'm trying to think who Utah lost at Florida, but I don't know how good we thought Utah was. You know, maybe they're a solid team. I don't know if maybe seven. And I don't know how good Florida is either. I think they're going to be a solid team in the SEC. I'm, you know, I don't have them going out there winning it from whatever division they're in or even, you know, winning an SEC title or anything by that means. But I think they are getting better. So I wasn't too surprised by that. And then other than that, I can't uh, – UTSA and University of Houston was a close game, and I think Houston was ranked uh, 23 or something in the top 25 range. Um, a lot of people don't know about UTSA. Uh, they're, they're a good team, man. They were good last year. I'm pretty sure they were ranked majority of the year last year or in the rankings towards the end of the year. So that was a good, solid game. But um, other than that, I think every team that was expected to win pretty much won their matchup. Um, I think we were maybe expecting to see maybe a little bit more of a showing out of Oregon, but they were playing. I mean, um, they were playing Georgia, and that is Bo Nix. We 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 know how we feel about him, and I think the podcast knows that by now. But uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I I, I like what I saw out of teams like USC. I I'm a firm believer in USC. I think they're going to be a really good team by the end of the year. Um, Oklahoma still look like Oklahoma for the most part. Uh, even under Brett Venables, we'll see how they, you know, get later in the year, how that offense keeps going and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't – no big surprise, man. I think everything plays out. We'll start seeing deeper in these weeks, uh, more about these teams, obviously. But uh, I'm already excited next week, you know, Texas, Alabama. I probably shouldn't be that too excited. But, yeah, I'm just ready for these next couple of weeks coming up. From an outcome of the game standpoint, I don't think there was really many big surprises. For me, the surprise was how good Anthony Richardson looked. I've heard a lot of hype about him being a first-round quarterback. Frankly, I was not buying it. He pretty much single-handedly beat Utah last uh, on Saturday because he was phenomenal. Um, I'm not ready yet to say that because it's one game, and I understand it's one game, but that pump fake spin move play that then he hit the guy in the corner in the end zone for the two-point conversion i was just like oh shit i don't know how many people could do that like honestly i don't think i've ever seen that before and he was pretty good all day so i think there's an, a lot of teams that are looking for a quarterback that now there's three of them right so it's very early but bryce young looked like bryce young cj stroud struggled a little bit but he's still you can tell he's that dude and you know richardson's kind of the wild card but he looked damn good. And so did Dylan Gabriel. I'm always a big fan of Dylan Gabriel, though. So I think that'll be interesting to kind of keep a watch to see how good Richardson really is because he looked phenomenal in week one. My last question to you is how big of a gap is there between the top two? Or maybe even top three. That's up to you. I'll, I'll let you decide whether it's top two or three. But between Alabama, Georgia, and maybe Ohio State and the rest of the field, we just watched... 
Alabama trounced Utah State, which obviously isn't the the best competition. But you know, Utah State's usually pretty solid. You would think they would, you know, get a field goal in. And then we just watched Georgia dominate uh, Oregon, who was I think ranked number eleven. So, and then I didn't see anybody else that really struck me as like, okay, this team might be legit this year. So how big of a gap really is there between the top two or three and the rest of the field? Man, I I, I think it's Grand Canyon. I don't think it's close, honestly. I think they're the two best teams and the rest of the teams are just fighting to get into the playoff to get their ass whooped, basically, because they're not beating Alabama or Georgia. Like, they're, it's funny because I feel like Alabama's offense can make up for anything the defense can't do, and Georgia's defense can make up anything that offense may struggle with somewhere down the line playing a good defense. You know what I mean? So when you have teams like that, I just I think it's hard to beat, man. And, they're, and then when you're talking about the other sides of it, this isn't a bad Alabama defense. I just think the offense is that potent and can take over games when you have, you know, a Heisman Trophy quarterback who might be able to win it for, you know, two times in a row. And and you're talking about Georgia, a team that just has abundance of great defensive players. Now you're talking about an offense that isn't that bad. You know, I bag on Stetson Bennett, but he is someone who can get the job done. He got it, you know, the job done last year in the second half of that ship uh, national championship game. And he looked good at the beginning of this season. I'm sure he'll look good in most of the games that they're going to play in because of the uh, superiority of talent they have on the offensive side of the ball. So I um, I don't think it's very close. I think, you know, until somebody rises up and shows me that it's a close third, maybe it is Ohio State. But at this time, I can't say that just the way they look from uh, playing against Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame was ranked five, but I don't think in my heart that – in my heart of hearts, that Notre Dame is going to be ranked five by the end of the season. I think they're going to be more of a probably 15 ranges team. So I just don't think that Ohio State is there yet. Maybe by the end of the year, me seeing games, I can maybe talk myself into it. But at this point, it's one, two, and everybody else is just not close. I'm not ready to give up on Ohio State. I think they probably played one of their worst games, honestly, and then they lost, you know, their best player on offense and Jackson Smith and Jigba in that game. And Notre Dame did have a really good defense last year. I know they lost Kyle Hamilton, um, but a lot of the returners came back and they still were never, in my mind, in doubt. Like the whole game I was watching, I was pretty much like, okay, so when does Ohio State go ahead and win this game, right? So I still think they're at least in the picture, so to speak. Um, Clemson will be really interesting to watch. I know they play today. They play Georgia Tech. I'm not sure how much I'm going to learn from a game against Georgia Tech. Um, But really, that offense was the reason why they weren't good last year. So let's see if Big Cinco fixed some things because he lost a lot of money last year. So let's see if he's able to kind of be who he was two years ago because if that offense gets things right, then they're potentially at least in that conversation. Um, Either way, there's definitely a gap, right? There's one, two... Space, space, comma, comma, three, four, right? But it'll be interesting to see if three and four can kind of close that gap a little bit. I don't imagine myself thinking, uh, picking anybody other than Alabama or Georgia in any game unless they're playing against each other. So I think I'm going to be saying that all year. But I do think there's an opportunity for Ohio State specifically and potentially Clemson to try to close that gap. 
But I think anybody else has no chance. I really just don't think they're there yet. So I generally agree with you, but I think there's two potential exceptions that could at least challenge the top two. But right now I would say we're looking real close to a very familiar championship game in Georgia versus Alabama here come January. Ohio State's in the picture. They're in the panoramic picture. You know how you can take a panoramic photo on your phone. Georgia and Alabama are on this side, and Ohio State's on this side. They technically in the same picture, but it ain't close. So that's why I feel like Ohio State is. But like you said, maybe they get there at that point, but I think we're going to have a repeat championship game. So that's just my feeling on it. All right, with that said... Your boys are playing against Alabama. You already alluded to the fact that you're not really confident that they're going to win that game. But does UT cover the spread? The spread is 19 and a half currently. Can they come? Can they lose by less than 19 or less than 20, I suppose? I think they can keep it to 17. I think that's where I think the game is going to end up being if I was on the betting side of it. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Texas' defense, quite honestly. This is uh, the side of the ball that needs the most work, and needed the most playmakers, needed uh, players to step up. And this is probably the best challenge you can get, especially early in the year, playing an Alabama offense with uh, Bryce Young and those weapons that he has and the talented QB that he is and the schemes and the stuff that they run. I think this is a perfect test for this Texas defense and no better way to find out what you're made of, you know, right off the bat, basically. So I think, you know, the offense, I think we'll be able to get down the field a couple times and put up some points uh, here and there just because they do have uh, some playmakers on offense. They do have one of the better running backs in the nation, uh, B. John Robinson. They do have uh, a talented uh, tight end on the roster. They do have some talented wideouts. So, We'll see what uh, Quinn Ewers can do in this matchup versus Alabama. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, hopefully, Steve Sarkeesian's got some plays that Nick Saban doesn't know about so we can surprise the Alabama defense uh, here and there. So, yeah, I hope it's a good game for most of it. Maybe, you know, by some miracle, Texas pulls off the upset. I doubt it, but I'm just looking forward to a good game and really finding out if this Texas defense is semi-back, as uh, Joe Tessitore would say. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not. It's too early for me to say it. I'm. I don't know because after watching that Georgia versus Oregon game, I'm like, mm, I don't know because I think Alabama and Georgia are probably in the same plane. So maybe if y'all can play Oregon first, and then I can get a better feel for how I wanted to say about this. But I can see it go either way. It could get ugly, or y'all could keep it relatively close. I, I. I'm not. I can be swayed either way. So. We'll see what happens. I'll definitely be watching that game uh, along with probably all the other games because, you know, me and DraftKings, I got to see how my players are doing. And I don't think I'm picking very many players from that game. I think that's – I can say that for sure. Um, so the last thing we want to talk about, and part of the reason why I wanted to ask how big the gap was between one, two, and the rest is that the college football playoff is talking about expanding the 12 teams in 2026. Um, personally, I think 12 teams is a little much, but I wanted to hear from you. How do you feel about this expansion that we knew was coming, but now we know is going to 12 and as early as 2026? What, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? 
I don't mind the expansion. I think, you know, we were, it was always going to get to that point. But 12, my Lord, that's a lot of teams, right? I mean, like like you said, we just kind of solved the, the 211 matchup this weekend with Georgia and Oregon, and we saw how that played out. So, I mean, it's kind of funny that they announced that, and then, you know, basically the next couple of days you get to see what, like, a matchup like that would be in the playoff and what it looks like. So I think 12 is definitely too many. But at this, you know, point in time, can you come back from 12? I mean – I know they're not going to, it's not poised to start until 2026, so can you say, oops, we messed up, we're going to go to eight? Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they've already kind of told people, you know, you know, higher up spots, you know, people with a lot more control over these things that they're going to 12. Can you actually walk it back? So, I don't know. I, I don't like 12. I think it's way too many. I don't think a 12 team would ever win a playoff in college football, so I think eight would have been better. Get some buys in there, but like I said, I just don't know at this time, can you walk it back since you've told the whole world, or at least this country who cares about college football, that you're going to move to 12 teams? Yeah, I'd rather 12 than 4, but 12 is still too many. I think 12 minus 4 is the right number. I think 8 was the right number. But at the end of the day, we get to see more football. And even though 1 verse 12 and 2 verse 11 and probably 3 verse 10 won't be very attractive games, I can see the rest of them. So if we if we're doing it all of them, then you got what four verse nine, five verse eight, and six verse seven. I could see those games being pretty interesting. So I don't have a huge issue with that. But even then, I don't think you can run that bracket that way because now that I'm thinking about it, because then you have six teams left, and then after that you would have three teams left. So I'm not sure exactly what this <clears throat> what the bracket is going to look like. I think there's ways to probably make it more interesting. 12 seems like a lot. Like you said, I don't think the 12th seed's ever going to win a championship. So I think eight was probably as much as it needed to be. But more football, more playoff football, um, I'm fine with that. It's still, to me, better than four. So I'll take any improvement I can get. All right, so moving off of college football and going to the NFL, the first thing we want to talk about is NFL fantasy drafts. You, You and I just had ours. I think we're both really confident and feeling good about our teams. Um but then again, you mentioned it, that we kind of say that every year. Um, now, I happened to win the league the last two years, so I had a lot of reason to feel that way. But anyway, no matter if I win or not, I always feel confident in my teams. I feel like that's what everybody says. So is there ever a time when you've had a draft and you didn't feel good about your team? I'm sure it's happened. It's no, I'm not going to say this year because I do actually like my team this year. I'm sure everybody, like you said, at our draft is feeling that way but i do really like my team but i'm sure in the past you like you know you looked at your team and then there's been like what was i doing like where did i go wrong that has to happen right because maybe it slopes to where you pick a qb too early or you wait on picking running backs or whatever it is you messed up on like it happens like i mean as much as i like my team I messed up a pick this year where I wanted to pick someone in a different spot. So that even happened in a year where I still feel good. So I think it's rare, but I think there are the times where you get a, you pick your team and you look at it and you just go, Ooh, this is not a playoff team. Like if you're a smart person, like you got to have that inside of you, right. To have the realness to look at a team. Like I'm trying to think about it. If you're the Lions, you look at that team. We saw Hard Knocks. You're Dan Campbell. You're not a playoff team, right? Like, you you, you know what it is. So, I think mean, you got to have that realness. 
And I mean, to be honest, I looked at a few teams in our league and I was like, Ooh, that's not a team I would want to have. So <laughs> I think, I think those guys are probably looking at their teams and saying, I, I messed up. So I think it's rare. I think everybody usually does like their team because the optimism, the season hasn't started. Anything can happen type of feel, right? So, uh, yeah, I, few and far between, but there has to be a time where you pick a team and you're just not inspired. Yeah, it's been some years since I felt that way, but I think there was some times earlier on when I was just like, how did I end up here? Like, you know, like, you know, those, um, video sometimes when it's just like a freeze frame of a picture and someone's getting like punched or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. Like <laughs> that's kind of how I feel sometimes when I do the draft, but you know, I think I feel like I've kind of honed in kind of been more strategic. Uh, I think a lot of times in the past I'd go in kind of without a plan and just fill it out as I go. It doesn't really work out. So I think I've kind of got it nailed down and locked down as far as a strategy going into it. And that kind of helps me come out of it, feeling good about it. But I feel like most people, go around talking about how great the fancy team is posting it on Twitter and shit. And then they real quiet and don't talk about how it ended come, come uh December, January timeframe. So we'll see. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of optimism and I think that's kind of the way sports works is it's a new year, new optimism, but people get put in check real quick. So I'm sure that'll happen in our league, just like it will in everybody's league around the country. So Speaking of the NFL, uh, we're going to have some NFL games here in as early as three days from now. Um, but then this weekend, starting September 11th, I'm sure there'll be a lot of tributes. Um, there's also going to be a lot of football. So what we're going to do real quick, we're going to just go down the list and we're going to pick who we think is going to win these games. Somebody should write them down. I'm going to say you, Nick, write them down. Who picks who? And then we'll see what our record is after week one. And you know what? We should just... Do that the whole season. We're just going to do that live. Also, I did not forget about the Twitter misery index. We're going to go and sift through Twitter to find a lot of miserable tweets from college football weekend. And we'll make sure we'll get them posted on our social media and let you guys vote on who's the most miserable fan base after week one. Uh, we will be doing that. It's going to do a little research, do a little digging. Um, but let's go with these NFL matchups. Let's start with the Thursday night game. We have... Buffalo versus the Rams, which is probably the best matchup all week. Who you got? I'm going with the Bills. I know it's on the road. I am a big believer in Josh Allen. I believe him or Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP this year. I got the Buffalo Bills. I also have the Buffalo Bills. I just think they're the better team right now. I think by the end of the year, maybe it'll be different. But right now, I got the Buffalo Bills. All right. The next matchup is New Orleans versus Atlanta. I got New Orleans. I got nothing else to say about that. So who you got? Why you got nothing else to say? I'm joking. I know why. Uh, no, I got the Saints too. I believe that the Saints will be making the Super Bowl this year. I think you are kind of on board with that. So Saints. All right. So we got Bears versus 49ers. Lance versus Fields. Who you got? I'm going the Bears. I don't know. I got a feeling about this game. Lance first game, maybe a little jitters. I think it's on the road. I'm not quite sure, actually. But I'm going to go the Bears here. I got Fields in this one. Fields and a lot of Mooney, hopefully. In case anybody didn't know, Nick drafted Mooney in his fantasy league. Um, I'm taking the Niners. I think I'd rather have Fields as a quarterback, but there's 
21 other positions, and I like San Francisco in pretty much all of those. So I'm going the Niners. All right. We got Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati. I'm going Cincinnati. Uh, anytime you start Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback, I'm probably going the other direction, and that's holds true here. I'm going Cincinnati. Yeah, once they announced it was Mitchell Trubisky, I was off the Pittsburgh train. I don't even know if I would have been on it, even if it was Mr. Pickett. But, um, yeah, it's the Bengals. All right, we got Philadelphia versus the Lions. And as much as I want to pick the Lions, I'm not going to do it. I am going with Philadelphia Eagles starting 1-0. Man, I have to agree. I'm going to go with the eventual NFC East. Uh, division winners, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, uh, Mr. Brown, uh, who is it? My man from uh, Alabama who wears the knee brace on his arm. I forget his name at this moment. I like the Eagles flying high. I got the Eagles, baby. Uh, New England versus Miami. Who you got? You know what's so funny is when we started this, you know, we were going to pick the games, and I was like, you know what? I don't even want to see the games. I just want to pick them. Man, this is a good little matchup. I'm going to have to watch this game. I didn't even know they were playing each other. I'm going to go New England, though. I think Bill Belichick, I'm pretty sure, owns the Miami Dolphins from a record standpoint. Actually, actually, the Dolphins used to beat them back in the day randomly, but not no more. But anyway, I got New England in this matchup. Uh, Matt Jones, I think, is going to take a big step forward this year. I just don't know what to believe in Tua yet. I know he's got some new weapons in Tyreek Hill, mainly. I just don't know yet. I need to see it uh, from Tua first. So I'm going to go with the Patriots here. I got Miami. Let the hype train, let the hype train begin. I think Tua has a phenomenal game before he, his star runs out and he comes back to earth. I think week one, he does that thing. I got Miami. All right. We got Baltimore versus the Jets. Joe Flacco in his return to Baltimore as the starting QB. I'm not sure if he's done that already. He's been gone for a while. Um, but it doesn't go well because he loses to Baltimore Ravens. I got Baltimore. Yeah, Joe Flacco starting for the Jets. You know, I think he will be elite, elite at being bad. So I will have the Ravens in this game pretty handily. This, to me, is low-key probably the most interesting matchup of the weekend and that's Jacksonville versus Washington because I have no idea how to feel. So I'm gonna let you go first so I can think about it just a smidge longer. You know what's so funny is once again one of the games did not know they were matching up and I look at it and I'm like, is that Jacksonville Washington? What the hell am I supposed to do with that? Like send that game over to London or something. Um I'm gonna pick the skins just because I think that defense is pretty good when healthy. I think Chase Young is playing i hope but uh if he's playing that defense is pretty solid and if carson Wentz just doesn't fully mess it up and like fumble in his own end zone then i believe that um oh crap did i call him the skins i did not mean to do that the commanders will win this game i was gonna correct it but you already did it so you know that's that's already done so um i'm going jacksonville you know i don't have a good reason besides the fact that Maybe Carson Wentz just can't beat Jacksonville because we saw them in week 17 with the Colts. And if you can't beat them with the Colts, then can you beat them with Washington? I think you kind of downgraded rosters there. So I'm going Jacksonville to start off 1-0 before a bad season because Jacksonville will not be good this year. Um, I'm just going to go Jacksonville, and I'm going to stop talking before I talk myself out of it. Um, Cleveland versus Carolina, another matchup where a quarterback gets to play his old team. 
another scenario where it doesn't go well for that quarterback. I got Cleveland winning this game. Jacoby Brissett does a great job of handing the ball to Nick Chubb, and that's all he needs to do. Every now and then, he'll sprinkle it up. He'll switch it up and hand it to Kareem Hunt instead, and Cleveland gets this win. Yeah, man, I got Cleveland. Uh, I just don't believe really much in this Panthers roster. So I'm going to go with what I know, and I do know the Browns can run the football, so I got the Browns. All right, so how about Indy versus Houston? Who do you got in this matchup? I got Indy. I think Indy is going to be a sneaky team this year. I don't know how good of a team they're going to be. I think they're going to be a good team. I just don't know what the ceiling is yet. I just need to see some games, but I do think they will be a good team. I got Indy in this. I think it probably ends up uh, being a high-scoring matchup. I don't know the line on it, but it feels like this might be a game to uh, target on DraftKings if you do that. Yeah, I got Indy. I don't think it's going to be that close. I do like Davis Mills a lot. I was a guy who does not believe in him coming out. I like him now, but it's going to have to wait till week two before we get a victory and maybe beyond that because I don't know what your schedule looks like. But not here, not now. I got Indy winning that game. Um, the next game, we got the New York football Giants versus the Tennessee Titans. I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the Giants winning that game. I think Tennessee is going to struggle. I just don't believe in Tannehill. A.J. Brown, I think, is a big loss. I'm going with the New York football Giants going 1-0. I'm going to regret it come Monday, but I'm doing it now. I kind of want to jump on this train with you. Like, I don't like what Tennessee's... Like, they. I'm pretty sure I'm guessing Woods is their number one right now. I don't mind Woods being their number one, but I don't love Tannehill. They're going to... The Giants are going to key in on... Uh, Henry, so I just don't know if I trust Tannehill yet. A new weapon that you really haven't played. Yeah, I'm going Giants too, man. I just I don't like Tennessee. I don't like Tannehill as it is. I like the upset in this. I know we should probably go different because it's almost like competition, but I like the Giants to get this upset win, man. Green Bay versus Minnesota. Who do you have? I got Minnesota. I have no clue who the hell Aaron Rodgers is throwing this ball to. All he's been doing is complaining about his wide receivers and then talking about himself taking mushrooms. So who knows what this ride is going to be like this year for the Packers. Uh, Devontae Adams isn't there anymore. And with the Minnesota Vikings, I know what they have. I know Kirk Cousins messes up here and there, but I know he likes to sling that thing all over the field. And when you have weapons like uh, Jefferson, uh, Thielen, and Osborne, I know that... um, They'll have a lot, blah, 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 a lot of opportunities to do that, and I just don't know if the Packers can keep up. I agree. I'm going Minnesota. I think that they're the better team. Green Bay is solid. I don't think they're a bad team. I just think Devontae Adams matters. I think he really helped make that offense go. They didn't even really try to replace him, to be honest. like There were some trades to be made where they could have got a guy but they didn't want to do that. They're comfortable with Alan Lazard. They're comfortable with Sammy Watkins. They're comfortable with the rookies. I am not them. I am not comfortable, so I'm going with Minnesota. Um, Kansas City versus Arizona. I like Kansas City. I want to say Arizona, but I don't think that's a smart thing to do, so I'm going Kansas City. Who do you got? I'll go Arizona. I don't know why, but I just want to go something a little different. So I'm going to go to Cardinals. I know they're missing one of their main weapons, but maybe they figure it out and can turn over the Chiefs a couple times. Pat Mahomes is known to maybe throw a couple turnovers here and there and get a little too fancy with it. So 
I'm going to go to Cardinals in this matchup. Not a bad pick at all. How about Las Vegas versus the Chargers? Who do you got? Raiders or Chargers? Ooh, another fun matchup, man. I love finding out the schedule like just re- like like this. You just telling me and then me being like, ooh, I like this game. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers, though. I That offense is just too potent. I like it a lot. I know the Raiders have added Devontae Adams to their lineup and along with the pieces they have, but we know what the Chargers are. Um, we know they can put points up on the board. I'm sure they're going to allow the Raiders to put up points, too, but I just like the Chargers. And, and they're healthy on the defensive end. Is Bosa playing or is he going to miss games already? Or is he going to – I know he's going to eventually miss games somewhere in the season. I just don't know if it's the beginning or later. But, uh, yeah, I still think the Chargers can put up enough points on the board. So I got the Bolts in this matchup. I got the Chargers. I said they're going to win the division. I think that starts week one. Um, I know there's a team in between um, the the Raiders and – Khalil Mack being there, I know he was, was in the Bears last, but it's still a team that he, you know, he's playing his former team. Um, I think he goes and gets a sack. I got the Chargers winning that game. Um, Tampa Bay versus Dallas. Who you got winning this game? I don't know, man. I, I want to be a homer, pick my Cowboys. I want to be smart, pick Tampa Bay. But you know what? The heart wants what the heart wants. I'm going with my Cowboys. You know, I'm really close to picking the Cowboys. I really am. I think Tampa Bay gets off to a slow start. They got a lot of turmoil. They got a lot of stuff going on. It just scares me going against 12 right now, man. They they got that thing kind of locked in. You know, Godwin's probably not going to play. They got rid of Tyler Johnson, which was surprising. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay, though. (laughs) I'm just too scared of the Cowboys. I don't. They got a lot of stuff going on on their side, too. So I'm just going to take Tampa Bay. But I would not be surprised at all if if Dallas ends up winning that game. All right. And the last game, the Monday night football game, Russell Wilson against his his Seahawks, Denver versus Seattle. I'm going with Denver because I don't think Seattle. Seattle's probably the worst team in the NFL in my mind. So I'm going to go with Denver. What you got? Yeah, I'm going with Denver, too. And it's kind of funny because a year ago, around the same time, I went down to Seattle and Russell Westbrook, I mean, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, two different people, uh, was still on the Seahawks. And the fans down there had that optimism and jerseys around and 12 and all that spirit. And I went to Seattle again this year, same time, basically. No Russell Wilson. And they just seemed sad down there. Like, nobody's excited for football season. Like, thank God the Mariners are good because... That's all they're talking about. They ain't even like you see way less football stuff around. Like it's just it's just so funny how in a year stuff changes. And uh, yeah, uh, I got the Broncos, man. Not even close. It's probably gonna get ugly, and I feel bad for the uh, the Seahawks. All right, so those are our picks. We'll see how bad we are at this, and we'll cover that next week on the podcast for sure. But that, that was kind of fun. I like the rapid fire way to do it. Not too much analysis. Just get it out of the way and keep keep it pushing. Um, so we're going to bring it home, but before we do that, we'd be remiss if we didn't give Serena Williams her flowers. Um, she has, she's officially done. She lost, I believe in the second round. Um, and now she's, you know, she's a retired tennis, tennis player. 
Um, she's the goat of goats. She's, you know, when you're talking about Serena Williams as a goat, you can't just say tennis. She's a goat of, she's a sports icon, not just a tennis icon. So um, in my estimation, she's the greatest female tennis player of all time. Uh, you can make the argument that she's the greatest tennis player of all time. You don't have to put woman on there. You could just say greatest tennis player. Um, she's done more for the sport than I think anybody ever has. Um, again, man or woman. So I just want to give her flowers, man. She's been, I mean, pretty much my whole adult life. She's been the kind of carried tennis. Like I said, not even just women's tennis. Like I know Federer is phenomenal. I know Djokovic and, and, uh, Nadal are all great. But Serena Williams has been the hottest ticket in tennis the whole time. So, yeah, she's, I mean, she's been the inspiration for a lot of really black women to play tennis because prior to Venus and Serena, you just didn't see that. So now you have Coco Goff, you have uh, Naomi Osaka. I know she's uh, Japanese as well, but at any rate, she's just been so much for the sport. Um, she's been such an inspiration for, like I said, I think black women in general regardless of what it is they wanted to go into, um, breaking down barriers, breaking down walls, and being great at what you believe in, um, regardless if you don't see a lot of representation in that field, um, you can go do it. You can go be great. So I just wanted to make sure that we took some time to give her her flowers and kind of give her the applause and the standing ovation she deserves because uh, she's phenomenal and she'll be in record books and history books and all that for till the end of time because she deserves all of that because she's a wonderful athlete and she's done it, you know, kind of pretty much scandal free. I mean, there's been some things, you know, TMZ has got a hold of some stuff, but nothing really major. So, um, I just love Serena Williams and what she represents. So I wanted to make sure that we shouted her out on this podcast. Yeah. I just, you know, piggyback on that. Just all she's done for the game and growing it and expanding it to people who might've never watched, you know, uh, African-American community who might've never watched tennis. If it wasn't for, uh, Serena and Venus. I want to throw Venus in there too, because I think a big part of Serena being Serena is having Venus along with her to uh, iron sharpens iron. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have one of the, you know, Serena being, I mean, Venus being one of the better tennis players to ever play this game, pushing you and having that to go against every day, does Serena become what she becomes? So I, you know, just, I want to throw Venus in there too and just, also talking about Serena, you know, off the field, you know, with the fashion and just doing everything that she digs into, being a humanitarian and just being just a good person, you know. And I just, just having that example for other people is just always a great thing. And it's just awesome to see. And when I think about Serena, I think about, you know, my cousin who's got his two little girls playing tennis and, you know, is that a thing if Serena and Venus don't come along? You know what I mean? Are our parents even willing to do that and have their kids, you know, try out a different sport? You know, it ain't always the same old, you know, basketball, um, you're doing football. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not always expand, you know, do something different. You know, there's more out there for us to do and for us to play. So I just think that part of her is always just going to be underrated you know the tennis part we know about the numbers the grand slam titles that stuff is what it is i just like more of the stuff that she does off the court and now her wanting you know basically focus on being a mom and doing those things that she does so 
like you said, wanted to give her flowers while they're here. You know, we don't always give people their flowers while they're here, while they're, you know, can still do what they do, play at even a, the high level that she can play at. And she will be missed. And hopefully, you know, Coco Goff can carry that torch. Like you said, Naomi Osaka can carry that torch. And uh, we keep going. We keep moving and keep pushing. So thanks, Serena. Love watching her play. Love the intensity. And I know whatever she does is going to be awesome in the next, you know, chapter. Absolutely. Well said. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and bring it home. Um, obviously there's a lot of people doing fantasy drafts right now. I'm getting geared up for this season. Um, so I'll ask just a very quick question. Cause I know everybody has one. Who is your fantasy sleeper for this season? A sleeper. So I feel like sleepers usually is probably you're like, Oh, I'm going to pick somebody on my team. And I am going to pick somebody on my team. I- I'm hoping the sleeper of the year is KJ Osborne. And I say that because I think that Adam Thielen is going to have a downswing slash. He always seemingly gets injured. And Jefferson, people are going to te- or target or key in on Jefferson and try to take him away. So who's going to benefit from that? Mr. Osborne can be that guy. So I think Osborne is going to be a sleeper. We all know that Minnesota likes to sling it around. They do have Dalvin Cook, but they still throw it a lot. They throw it to him too. So they like to spread it around. Kirk Cousins will seemingly throw a 40, even some 50 time game. So I got Osborne hopefully being a breakout, breakout for my team, but breakout for anybody else who has them on their fantasy football team this upcoming season. You know, my sleeper of the year is not somebody on my team. I wanted him on my team. I targeted him, but I waited too long. I tried to get a little, little greedy. Like maybe I can get him around later. Didn't happen. Um, and it's funny because I think he's going to go from bust to sleeper. And that's Kenny Galladay. Um, Last year, he was definitely a bust. He had a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, and he did not meet any of those. Um, So now a lot of people are really down on him. Obviously, people don't love Daniel Jones either, so that probably plays a part. Kadarius Toney's coming in and kind of showing a lot of potential, makes it to where people feel like he's supplanted as the number one. By the way, I do have Kadarius Toney, so if if that's true, I'm fine with that. Um, but I just think Kenny Galladay is too good to stay down. Uh, it's come out recently that he dealt with a lot of these injuries during the season. Uh, he appears to be healthy now. Um, Giants are still a team that I think are going to be losing a lot, so they're going to be throwing the ball. And I don't think you just forget how to play football, right? It's not Space Jam and, you know, they just took his powers away or nothing like that. I just think he had a bad year. Um, I think he bounces back, maybe not all the way to, you know, Detroit Lions, Kenny Galladay. Um, but with as late as he's going in these drafts, he doesn't have to be. Um, that guy, in order for him to be a sleeper, I think he is probably like a 800-yard, maybe eight-touchdown season, which for his draft position is going to be a really good pickup. So that's my guess on uh, who the sleeper of the season is going to be. I would like to hear y'all's opinion on that as well, so we'll make sure we get this posted on Twitter. I know we often threaten that and then don't follow through, but you know we're getting a little bit better, so bear with us. So. That's all we have for the show. Um, a lot of football to be watched. We got a game tonight um, in the Clemson Georgia Tech game, and then from there, you know, Thursday we got some NFL football. College is back, NFL is back. It's all back. So um, enjoy your Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys had fun with that. Get back to work, watch some sports, and then we'll holler at you guys next week. 
listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports, on Instagram at Media Timeout Sports, and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.